National Counties Cricket Association podcast with Jim Law and Richard London. Bedfordshire, Berkshire, Buckinghamshire, Cambridgeshire, Cheshire, Cornwall, Cumbria, Devon, Dorset, Herefordshire, the NCCA podcast, Hertfordshire, Lincolnshire, Norfolk, Northumberland, Oxfordshire, Shropshire, Staffordshire, Suffolk, Wales National Counties, Wiltshire. We've got National Counties Cricket covered. Okay, uh, back on the NCCA podcast, Law and Logan, lots to talk about, Richard. Uh, a busy weekend last weekend, busy weekend coming up as well. How are you, mate? Yeah, really good, thank you. I uh, yeah, I was watching with uh, with bated breath on Sunday as the results came in and uh, the, the positions changed around a little bit, but it was all uh, all really, really good to see, really good, exciting, lots of runs again. And yeah, hopefully there's, well, there will definitely be more runs this week because we've got two innings for everybody. So as we change formats into the three-day cricket, um, it'll be uh, it'll be good to see who are the who are the front runners come sort of Tuesday evening after the first round of uh, four that we have in the in the three day comp as well. So I was going to say we've got sort of two thirds of the way through the season. We haven't, of course, because the the, the trophy isn't over. All we've done is conclude the, um, the the four groups, haven't we? And as you say, those results coming in on Sunday were uh, extraordinary in places. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got to the end of the group stage. We've now got the quarterfinals uh, and we'll talk about that in a little bit of who they are and where those games are going to be played and when. Um, and then we've got the semifinals, obviously, after that, with the finals being on the 28th of August. So uh, that's all sort of intertwined with the three-day cricket, which starts this weekend, as we said. So, yeah, still loads of cricket to play, although it feels like we've played a lot. There's still an awful uh, lot of cricket to go. Yeah, I was trying to work out the other day, if you were successful in all the tournaments, how many games you'd actually play? Yeah, I can't remember. I gave up halfway through it. But it's quite no, somebody said this to me. There's a lot of days. There was a lot of days of cricket um, because I think the only put, the only, well, two of the only teams at the moment that can do that are going to be Cams and who won the T20? Oxfordshire, obviously. Yes. <laughs> Cams and Oxfordshire. So, yeah, that they're... Um, they're both into the quarterfinals, actually. So it's still, it's still, uh, if both, if it, both of those teams through get through to this and and the three day final, then yeah, they'll have played every day possible. So it's uh, it's pretty full on for those guys. But yeah, there's there's also a huge amount of cricket for everybody else. And um, if, if you progress on, obviously we know there's benefits of that, especially in the MVP, as we talked about last week, more chances to accumulate points. And and again, we'll cover cover off who who ended up at the top of this week's standings and, and who's kind of the leader um going into the quarterfinals and it's quite interesting to that only only one of the top three has got any cricket to come um so there's, there's a few people that are lagging a little bit behind they've got a bit of work to do but yeah potentially three games for them to to catch the to catch the leader ncca reviews and previews law and logan on the ncca pod you ready to sit there and fly into those uh, those games from last weekend yeah, absolutely, and, and not to not to start on a negative, but unfortunately, in Group One, the first game that we're going to cover, which was Cumbria versus Northumberland at uh, Keswick, uh, they they didn't bowl a bowl a ball, so that's a relatively easy one that we can kind of breeze through. But uh, that did have a bit of an impact on the table that we'll come on to in a minute, um, in the fact that they just got one point each, and it was a bit of a shootout really for that second spot. Um, so that was a little bit unfortunate that it went down to rain, but listen, we can't do anything about that, Cymru. Um, but yeah, the Cumbria Northumberland, unfortunately, not a ball bowl, so one point each. So that was fairly easy. Oxfordshire, 
uh, versus Lincolnshire. This was an incredible game, and Oxfordshire don't seem to be doing anything easily at the moment, but they seem to be doing it, which is the which is the main uh, the main point. So they uh, batted first and got two hundred and eleven. Uh, they were bowled out with just three balls to spare, um, and two hundred and eleven actually doesn't sound like a lot, but having been seventy six for six was actually a really good score, and um, no doubt they were relatively happy with that in the end. Um, that was largely due, due to George Tate uh, getting 53. He was their top scorer and supported by Ollie Curl, who always seems to add in some really, really important runs. He got 28 down the uh, down the innings as well. Um, Curtis Free um, led the way with the links. He ended up with four for 41. Um, and Nick Keast and Mason Hildreth both got a couple of wickets each as well. So links were chasing 212 for victory and just came up one or two runs shy. Um, they were bowled out with three or four balls to spare uh, for 210. Uh, looked to be kind of cruising in the middle with Tom Keister, who we know has had a great season so far. He got 64. Ben Wright, who's equally had a really good season, got 61. Um, but then with the ball, we had Luke Charlesworth, two for 30. George Tate, two for 27. Uh, and leading the way, um, more wickets that uh, he added to that he got last week with Max Mannering. He ended up with uh, three for 30 off his 10 overs. Um, and that was enough just to stunt links enough to fall one run short uh, or two runs short, I think, for, for, from victory. So a hell of a close game there, but um, a really good win for Oxfordshire. And, and that left them top of the table. So a really purple patch for Oxfordshire at the moment in kind of all formats. Uh, obviously defending champions in the three days, T20 reigning champions, and they're through to the quarterfinals uh, as table, uh, group on group on table toppers. Um, so yeah, Oxfordshire, they played 4-1-3 and had that tie that we spoke about against Cumbria. Um, so they got seven points. Cumbria played 4-1-2, had one abandoned and a tie, ended up on six points. Uh, and Northumberland played 4-1-2 and had that one abandoned. So that's kind of where they have lost. Well, that's where the the impact of that game was really. Obviously, they 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 only they fell one one point short of Cumbria, which was um, a little bit unfortunate. Uh, and then Links ended up in fourth position. Lincolnshire played four, uh, one one lost three, and Herefordshire we know had played all their games pre, prior to this weekend, uh, and unfortunately didn't get a, a win on the board. So they ended up with zero points at the bottom. But yeah, so. Going through to the quarterfinals from Group 1 are Oxfordshire and Cumbria. Fine margins. Indeed. Fine very, margins. very fine margins. So, <laughs> yeah, like I say, they're not doing it the easy way, but they're getting it done, which is the, the key thing. Okay. Um, so, Group 2 then. Uh, <laughs> should we start off with the Southwest Derby? Indeed. So, Devon and Cornwall. Devon batted first. Um and they posted 290 for nine, uh, really good solid total. Uh, Matt Thompson top scored with 77. Uh, Callum Haggart, who seems to be appearing every week, either with bat or ball, or, or mostly both, he ended up with 62. Um, Ed Leonard, 51 off 33 balls. He gave some impetus to the innings at the end with Dan Goody, who got 31 off just 10 balls. <clears throat> so um, leading, leading bowler for Cornwall, uh, Adam Snowden with four for 55. So, yeah, a pretty decent total to try and chase down for Cornwall. Um, but they made a fairly good fist of it, but, but unfortunately just ended up 20 runs short. They were bowled out and they still had a couple of overs to go. So, actually, it was it was probably a bit of a nail-biting finish that. Joe Phillips um, got 43 and Max 
Trifonos um, got 93 off 76 balls. Um, wickets for Devon were spread around. Callum Haggard did get a couple of wickets. Dan Goody, who's had a really solid um, white ball season so far, had two wickets, uh, and as did uh, Zach Best. But yeah, a really good win for Devon there. And um, yeah, they managed to turn them over by 20 runs. Okay. Uh, and what about at North Mims? At North Mims, Hertfordshire batted first. They um, got 184 for eight in their 50 overs, so pretty slow going. Uh, largely thanks to Tom Nugent, who took two for 36, and Ewan Woods, who took two for 41. Uh, Charlie Scott was their top scorer with 45. But yeah, that wasn't anywhere near enough uh, by the looks of things. Uh, Berkshire ended up 185 for four in just the 26.3 overs. Seven Pereira got 31 at the top of the order, but Captain Dan Lincoln um, hit a 50 not out of just 36 balls to get them over the line fairly comfortably. Uh, two of those four wickets were for Luke Chapman. Um, but yeah, that looks like a pretty convincing win for Berkshire, to be honest, with plenty of overs and plenty of wickets to spare. Okay, so how did that leave the table? So Berkshire had already got a bit of a lead on the old run rate, so that, that improved even further. That ended up as plus 1.96. <clears throat> they had six points on the top of the table, having played uh, for one, three and lost one. Devon, Cornwall and Beds all ended up with four points. Uh, and because Devon beat Cornwall, that meant that their run rate went above them. Um, so they ended up in second place, Devon did, with minus 0.1. Uh, Cornwall again on four points ended up with minus 0.45 and Beds who again had played all their games were sort of sat on 0.77 so incredibly close group um, really well fought some great games in there um, and Hearts as well they played 4-1-1 and lost three so they had two points so <clears throat> another another incredibly close group very well fought but the two got, the two teams that go through to the quarterfinals uh, Berkshire at the top and Devon in second place. All your National Counties Cricket Association news. The NCCA podcast with Jim Law and Richard Logan. Okay, it's halfway through. Uh, great. Group two. Let's have a look then at group three. Hmm. Indeed. Uh, you guys played against Suffolk and Suffolk batted first and posted a pretty big 304, but Having had a brief conversation with yourself, that could have been more, you think? I, I think it could. They, they, I think they left the charge quite late and, and, and lost some late wickets and left them over at the end of it. But at one stage, I think they were about 270 of five and uh, certainly three, 350 was beckoning, I'm sure. Yeah, but I suppose if you'd have offered a, a team 304 at the start <laughs> of the innings, they'd have, they'd have probably taken your hand off. But Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Getting to that total, obviously, lots of people score runs, and and that was that was the case. Uh, Alex Oxley and Ben Parker both scored fifty. Uh, Alex Oxley taking seventy five balls, and Ben Parker probably in that um, in that uh, explosion at the end. He only faced twenty three balls, but the mainstay and and probably when you get three hundred and four, you need somebody to anchor the innings, and, and Ben Claydon was that man, um, having had a great white ball season. He scored one hundred and twenty three off one hundred and twenty seven balls, so. It's just what you need when you're trying to build, build the foundations of an innings. Um, and that's a really great effort from him. Um, Luke Young uh, took fourth eight off three overs. Is that right when I was looking? So, yes, it is. He, okay, that, that was all part of the, uh, I suppose, mini collapse in inverted <laughs> at the end. 
Okay, I just thought it was quite odd figures. It seemed like why didn't he bowl more? But I know that can uh, that can always be a little bit uh, <laughs> that can always be a little bit misleading. And, uh, and Nick Anderson, he also took three for sixty four. So uh, some good returns with the ball there, but a hell of a hell of a total to chase down. Uh, and you made a good you made a good start. The sort of mainstay of your top order, Rob Semi, uh, start here. He, he scored seventy three off sixty four balls, and he looked to be making a really good. Um, a good effort of this chase. What happened with Rob? Because it's a little bit of an unusual dismissal, isn't it? It, it was. It was one of those um, uh, bowlers end dismissals when uh, Rob was was backing up. Um, Alex Money was at the far end. The left-hander Alex Money just drove the ball back pretty firmly. Matt Allen was running through. I think stuck his, stuck his left foot out. Ball onto stumps. That's out. Yeah. Change the, the game. It would be free to say that uh, that uh, Cheshire would have gone on to uh, to, to, to impress more, but. Uh, uh, it's certainly had a big impact, especially as David Wainwright was out straight afterwards. Yeah, it just changes the momentum of the game, doesn't it? And, yeah. and we know Rob's been in great form as well, so that's a that's a real pity. Uh, Luke Young did add some runs uh, a bit further down the innings. He got thirty one uh, to add to his uh, to add to his wickets. But Josh Cantrell, uh, three for fifty one. He was the best for Suffolk with the ball. Tom Rash and Matt Allen both got a couple of wickets, two for thirty nine and two for thirty seven respectively. But yeah, uh, in the end, that momentum did sort of die away and Cheshire ended up 66 runs short. So a really good win for Suffolk there and uh, probably well-deserved having stuck 300 on the board. You're always yeah. going to be a bit unlucky if you lose when you've got 300 on the board. They were pretty pleased with it. And um, watching the other results coming in, which uh, we'll get on to in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shropshire, um, Shropshire and Norfolk, uh, and Shropshire have had a, a pretty miserable time of the white ball cricket. It's, it's fair to say, I suppose, and it, it kind of continued on Sunday. Unfortunately, uh, they batted first and got bowled out in the twenty seventh over for ninety six. Um, Callum Metcalf took four for twenty six, and Brett Stolworthy three for thirty six. So good effort for those two guys. Uh, David Laird was top scorer with just twenty seven. Um, and probably no surprises who led the way uh, in knocking those runs off for Norfolk. Um, they did it in the 21st over, just two wickets down with uh, Sam Arverton, 44 not out. Um, and we've spoken about Sam a lot and he is a, he is a class performer in, yeah. in National Counties cricket and uh, no surprise to see that he just knuckled down and got those runs, got those runs knocked off for Norfolk. Yep, and all that meant... All that meant, well, we know Cams have played their games and they qualified uh, at the top with seven points. Uh, then Suffolk's victory meant that they ended up on five points, one point ahead of Cheshire. So heartbreak for you guys, unfortunately. Uh, Suffolk did play four games, won two, lost one and had one cancelled. Uh, you guys had played for uh, one, two, lost two, uh, ended up on four points. Norfolk played for... 1-1, lost two, had one cancelled on three. And Shropshire, as I said, played four, lost three and had one cancelled. So they just got the one point from that cancelled game. Um, so, yeah, Cams and Suffolk through to the quarterfinals. Certainly is. Uh, OK, uh, let's have a look at Group 4 then, Rich. And we start with uh, the game at Gerrard's Cross. Indeed. So this was the group where... Mathematically, I think it was possible that every team could qualify, which is which is kind of crazy, but really, really great and exciting. It was going to take a bit of a huge effort from staffs because of their uh, net run rate, but it was possible. Um, they were playing against Buckinghamshire, 
and batted first, but were bowled out for 187. So I suppose with that probably went their chances in less who are going to bowl books out for probably 15 or 20. But yeah, I, I haven't done the maths. But yeah, they were 187 all out. Michael Hill top scored for them with 43. But um, the mainstay for books, uh, as per usual, Cameron Parsons, Connor Haddo, names that we talk about a lot. Cameron Parsons, three for 19. Uh, and Connor Haddo, three for 27. And I think Tom Hampton, who has also had a really solid white ball uh, season so far, picked up another couple of wickets as well. Um, books, however, didn't didn't cruise to victory, let's say. Uh, they did get to get there in the end, but it was in the 49th over. Um uh, with just three wickets left. Uh, Chris Marrow top scored with 53 and Ross Richardson a, fir- a little bit further down the order uh, got 35. So he managed to get them over the line. Uh, Paul Bryan, uh, two for 23 and Jack Redmond, two for 29 were the two main bowlers for staffs. But yeah, um, Buckinghamshire, pretty pretty, pretty solid result there, although it looked like they kind of limped, limped over the line rather than... Uh, and sprinted but uh, hey who cares about that as long as you get over the line I suppose that's the main thing um, so yeah good win for Bucks Wales versus Dorset was the final game on Sunday um, Wales batted first and were bowled out for a similar total 181 in exactly the same time actually in the 49th over uh, Connor Brown top scored with 54 Um and Sam Jardine, batting down at number nine, uh, got 37 off just 30 balls as well. So that probably gave them a little bit of impetus uh, with Richard Edwards, who scored 20. I think those guys for the ninth wicket, right down the order, put on a 56-run partnership. So it could have been uh, a lot less of a total without that effort down the order from those guys. Um, David Scott took two for 26, but the main bowler for Dorset was Bradley Curry. Um, he took five for 28. So that's a fantastic effort by Bradley. and then. Dorset looked like they cruised to victory. Um, they 182 for four in the 39th over. Alex Eklund and David Scott put on a partnership of 99 to knock them off. Uh, both not out. Alex Eklund 47 and David Scott 57 not out. So Dorset uh, cruised to victory and cruised to the top of the table in Group Four. Um, they were on top six points, having played four, won three, lost one. Wales, uh, having won two and lost two of their four games, ended up on four points. Bucks and Wilts also played two, uh, played four, won two, lost two. So we had another run rate, um, run rate off, I suppose, in this. But Wales did it, did end up in second position. They were 0.75 run rate. Bucks 0.22 and Wilts minus 0.68. Um, and at the bottom of the table, having just won one game and lost three. The staffs on two points. So, yeah, the final two teams to make up the quarterfinals were Dorset and Wales. Yes, yes. <laughs> a, they played that game at the Lees. That that is Wimborne, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. So it was a pretty busy weekend. I no doubt there were lots of calculators out at some point uh, uh, in time on Sunday to ensure that. People were getting the right amount of runs, but I think in, in in essence, everyone who needed to win in those kind of games did, and it and it kind of worked it worked itself out. But uh, the way everything works with the quarterfinal draw that I'll come on to now is each of our winners of those groups get a home tie, uh, and each of the runners up sort of cross group one and group three, group two and group four play against each other. So 
How that has ended up is that on the 17th of July, Oxfordshire will play host to Suffolk at Banbury. Uh, Berkshire will play Wales at Falklands. At North Perrot, Dorset will play Devon. And at Exning, Cams will play Cumbria, which is a reversal of the fixture uh, of the semi-final last year. So no doubt Cams will be looking to get one up on Cumbria. Yes. And you've finalised the venues for those games as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So we've got Banbury, Falklands, North Perrot and Exning. So they're the, uh, and Oxfordshire, Berkshire, Dorset and Cams are the, are the winners of the group. So they'll be hosting those fixtures at those venues. Um so, yeah, all set for the 17th of July. The NCCA Most Valuable Player here on the pod. Um, and just to finish off the sort of group stages of the white ball stuff, um, we had some great performances, if you've just heard. So the weekly MVP for this week, we had four players who got nine points. They were Matt Thompson uh, with his 77, Dan Lincoln with his 50 not out, uh, Bradley Curry, obviously, we've just talked about with his Fifer, uh, and David Scott, uh, who got some runs and wickets. So uh, he was 57 not out and got two for in that last game against Wales as well. So some really good performances on, with those guys who were kind of in joint third position on nine points. In second position, Tom Keast from Lincolnshire. Um, he ended up with 10 points, but way out, on he- way out ahead. Uh, with his 100 um, was Ben Claydon of Suffolk, who got 15 points this week. So a great effort from Ben. And having played against them and been on the brunt of that, uh, you had a little bit of a chat with Ben, didn't you? The I did. I did. On the, uh, on the outfield at Didsbury, and this is what Ben had to say. So, Ben, I guess you're pretty happy with your trip to Cheshire. Uh, yeah, I think, obviously, last night it took four hours or so to get up here. So we were hoping for a good team performance today. Uh, and luckily we managed to get that. I think pretty much the, the chat we had at the start of the game, we've managed to execute it exactly how we wanted. Um, so, yeah, it's been, been a good trip. And you're, you're, you're looking very modest here, but, I mean, you're, you're 100. Um, can I describe it as kind of quietly unassuming because it was just effective? Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's my role in the team, really, um, just to try and bat as many overs as I can, you know, rotate the strike, put the bad ball away. Um, we have other guys in the team that sort of naturally score quicker than I do. Um, so if I can bat for sort of 40 overs, um, other guys bat around me, we'll, we should get up to a decent score. Um, so, yeah, it's not really my... I don't see it as my job to sort of catch the eye. It's just get the runs and, um, and, and see where we are. You just you always looked in control throughout the whole innings. And uh, I don't think you played one loose shot, did you? You looked tired at the end. Uh, yeah, I was pretty tired <laughs> at the end. Uh, maybe a couple too many beers last night was. Uh, <laughs> you're allowed that, was that at all? But, uh, you know, four-hour drive, you, you're allowed. You're allowed that. Um, but yeah, I, I was pretty tired at the end. I sort of bowled a lot yesterday as well, which doesn't help. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just sort of playing playing the ball as I see it, and uh, just as I say, just trying to bat as long as I could. And we're just wondering if you left the charge late because you, you end up being all out um, and we thought maybe that was 20 runs shorter than you could have had. It didn't matter in the end, obviously, but uh, all worked out OK? Uh, it did. I think if we were being sort of uh, harsh on ourselves, we weren't quite as clinical with the bat as we'd like to be. Um, on another day, you know, we'd, we'd need to get up to three, 325, 330. Obviously, the lad 
that opened the batting um, for Cheshire. I think he got his sort of 70 off 60 balls and managed to get him run out. You know, if that doesn't happen, if that doesn't go our way, you're probably looking at a different game. And all of a sudden, if they chase it down, you think that last 10 overs where we should have had 30 more has cost us the game. Um, but I, th- I think that is cricket. You know, it's so hard for the guys to come in at the end and score at you know ten and over from the start. It, you know, trying to hit your first ball for four or six is is brutally difficult. So, in an ideal world, yeah, we'd probably like three thirty. But I think as a team, we understand actually it's it's so difficult to do that. And if you'd have offered us three hundred at the start of the day, I think we'd have definitely taken that. Hey, let's go back to your turn because you, you 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 had you had the run out of uh, uh, well of course in the middle of it but you you, you buckled down you got on with it and uh, you just carried on. I did. The run out was definitely Jack's fault. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think run outs happen. Uh, me and Bizzle have batted together a lot. We don't usually run very much, so I was quite surprised to see him turning for two. Um, but it's cricket, isn't it? You know, it, unfortunately, it happens. Um, I'm sure Bizzle will get me back before the season's up. So, um, we, you know, we've just spoken about it now, laughing and joking about it. So, um, yeah, unfortunately it happens. And uh, hopefully, I think it's Oxfordshire now in the next round. It so. is, yep. You go off to Banbury or Tame or, or wherever. You look forward to that? I do. And obviously, hopefully, hopefully Bizzle doesn't repay the favour. Hopefully he can, go and, <laughs> he can go and score 100 or something like that. But, yeah, uh, Oxfordshire in the next round. So, hopefully... Um, we can go there and put, put a Great good performance Well, not in. a bad day for you, apart from the 100, uh, pretty good in the field and uh, with the ball as well. Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a decent day. I think, obviously, you know, the most important thing is that we get that win, get through to the next round, because, you know, I think we're quietly confident and we're hoping we can, we can go all the way. Great stuff. Well, well done. All the best in the next round. Thank you very much. Thank you. All your National Counties Cricket Association news. The NCCA podcast with Jim Law and Richard Logan. Very modest he was. Indeed. Indeed. But yeah, he's... Uh, great knock. Great knock. Terrific. Yeah, great knock. And he's had a great season. I think he's showed different dimensions to his games. I haven't seen him play, but you can always tell these... Like cricket is a stats game, isn't it? And you can always tell from the stats. So, uh, and as you've said, it was a really controlled, anchored innings. Um, 123 off 127 balls tells that story anyway. But also on the flip side of that, he's got runs in T20 and he got a 50 ball 100 as well. So he's obviously got different elements to his game, which is really, really great um, and shows that he's a, he's a class player. So yeah, definitely one to, to watch out for for the rest of this season as we get into the longer format because he's obviously got a solid technique that he can anchor through the whole sort of 50 overs. Uh, and no doubt he'll be getting some runs um, in, in the three days as well. So, yeah, good luck to Ben for the rest of the season. And it'd be good to see how he gets on in the quarterfinal. Yeah. Sorry, that just leaves us with the overall guys of uh, the group stages. So, as I said earlier, um, we've got three guys, one, two and three. In top position, we've got Tom Keast from Lynx on 30 points. Johnny Cater's Oxfordshire's captain and wicketkeeper on 27 points. And Ben Wright from Lincolnshire also, who I said had had a really good year. Obviously, that's shown by the fact that he's in third position. Uh, he got He's on 26 points. But as I said earlier, that the top position and third position are, won't be playing any more games. So they might sit there and see everybody go ahead of them, which could be quite frustrating. Uh, and on that point, I did have a look through and see who were actually in the quarterfinals and, and who could make a sort of 
last minute pushes as, as Andy Rishton did last year, I suppose. And and we've got uh, we've got Gary Prattick Cumbria, who's just behind on twenty three points. So if he has a good couple of uh, games, have a bit of a run, he could make his way. Dan Goody uh, from Devon, he's on twenty points. So again, another another good end to this competition could see him rise up. Um, ben Clayden, as we spoke about, fifteen points this week obviously helps. He's on twenty three and Suffolk in the quarterfinals. And finally, Ewan Woods from Berkshire, he's on twenty four points as well. So. All those four there are probably the ones to watch out for to, to as a bit of a late run to see if they can push Johnny um, and ultimately overtake Tom Keast at the top of that uh, overall MVP in the uh, in the one day comp. Yep, and as you say, seventeenth of uh, the month, seventeenth of July. We'll see how we go. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, sir. That was a good effort. That. <laughs> very good, very good. Have a glass of water. In fact, no, you haven't got time for a glass of water because it's time to move on to the three-day game. The National Counties Cricket Association podcast. The National Counties Cricket Association. Until 1983, all then minor counties clubs competed in a single league. Teams played varying numbers of matches and didn't play all other counties, so the table was ranked according to average points gained per match. The team with the highest average won the championship, except in a year when the top two counties had not played each other. In this case, the second place team in the table had the right to challenge the leaders to a match to decide the championship. The second place team had to win this match to take the title, with the league leaders being declared champions if they won or drew the game. From 1983 to 1993, this was a 55-over game, but from 1994, it became a two-day, two-innings match with certain restrictions on the first innings. From 1999, the final has been a four-day, two-innings match and only an outright decides the championship. We've been looking forward to this. Absolutely. I think um, it's like with anything. If you speak to a lot of the players, and I'm not saying you'll speak to all of them, but I think if you speak to a lot of them, they want to win the three-day competition. They want to play the three-day competition. Multi-day format cricket is really, in a lot of people's opinion, what cricket's all about. Don't get me wrong, the razzmatazz of the T20, the 100, and everything else that we play and we watch and we love watching it and it's exciting and it can entice people into play cricket. But what we what we really want is people to be aspiring to play multi-day cricket, first-class cricket, championship, and then test match cricket. And I think if anybody's watched any of the test cricket over the last few weeks then it, it's just been an absolutely fantastic advert and, yeah. and I know people aren't getting carried away when they talk when I watch all the guys on Sky and everything and and, uh, and rightly so I suppose because it's but it's better to start like that than start with three losses I'm, I'm sure and the way that they've played it has been incredible but it just shows that ho- hopefully the youngsters can not only see the hundred stuff but they can see the the test cricket and the way it's been played and the and the sort of excitement that comes with that with 500 plays 500 plays 300 playing knock knocking 300 off i think we've knocked 300 off in three test matches on the trot which is just really unheard on it if you'd have said that to anybody two or three months ago that an england team are going to play against new zealand and, and knock 300 off in the last innings of three test matches on the trot you'd have said you were barking mad but it just shows how quickly things can change and ultimately Getting into this three-day competition now, going back to what I said at the beginning, I think it's the one that everybody wants to win. I think everybody loves playing it. Um, and I think it complements the fact that we play the other two formats early and we can't, our season kind of culminates with 
uh, our test cricket, I suppose. So it is really, really exciting to get into. Um, and, and I love it because I get an opportunity to go around on the Monday and Tuesdays and, uh, and, and travel around and see loads of cricket. Um, and by the end of it, I'll have seen all the counties play, most of them a couple of times across different formats as well, get to speak to people and, and, and see some see some great cricket. So, yeah, I can't wait for it to start. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether Oxfordshire can defend their can defend their title, which won't be won't be easy because I know everyone's gunning for them. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking as well. Uh, and you look, you've been you've been through this, but we've we've talked in the past about time cricket. You're playing 20 over cricket now. When you play the, the the knockout trophy, you're playing 50 over cricket, which is pretty similar to most players' club cricket on Saturday. I know there is some time cricket around the country, but by and large, you're playing 50, 55 overs, whatever it might be. So that's kind of the same. But then you switch to 90 overs in your first innings. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different application, isn't it? And a, a craft, as um, Graham Swan said in that, uh, that that pod we did all those uh, all those months that were last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's a different application. It, it's not a different skill necessarily. And, and we said this a, a few weeks ago, mm. moving from T20 to one day to championship cricket, there's not a huge amount of change. It, the skills that you are trying to do are different. But actually, you're running in, you're letting go of a ball. You've got to try and bowl your best ball. Yet, far more often than not, in a in a three day game, and as a batter, you've got to you've got to get runs. You've got to get you've got more time to do it. But still, you need a sound technique in T20 and one day cricket because uh, it's if you don't, you're going to get out. Um, and in three day cricket, it really brings that out. But it it's far more on the application of the way you go about the game, I think, and also how how much you can concentrate, like. You've got you've got potentially what's it normally five and a half hours um, it takes to bowl those overs. That's a long time for a batsman mm-hmm. to bat, um, and it's a long time for a bowler to bowl. Like physically, the demands are different. Uh, mentally, can you keep your concentration for that long? And we always know that if a team has done well, those last fifteen overs can be pretty pretty intense um, when the when the guys are coming after you. So then that's when you've got to have the the, the sort of mindset and the, the the frame of mind to be able to to flip your skills to what you've maybe been doing for the last couple of months. So it's it's a really great challenge, um, uh, and we bang on all the time about creating environments for players to be able to develop to step up to the next level. Uh, and this is certainly a really good environment for players to do that. So when you have the first side back for five and a half hours and pile on four hundred runs or whatever, and you've toiled in the sun, you must have been through this. <laughs> and you're relishing to go on you because you've got you know you've got a good half an hour a little bit more than that um at the, at the oppo at the end of the day who the last thing they want to do that's what they want to do is bat isn't it it is and you can i suppose you can look at that in two ways can't you you can you can think i can get out there and i can get 30 40 50 in that in that time because if you get a bit of a great start you probably can realistically maybe 25 or 30 sort of bonus runs for a batter that you get in that evening and you, you get in you get a bit of confidence You've 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 kind of taken the shine off the new ball. Uh, it's only twenty overs, but you can still make a really good dent in that. So there's two ways of looking at that, and and absolutely I agree. As a bowler, you always wanted to get out there, and you you can kind of put everything in for those ten overs. If you're going to, you're probably not going to bowl all ten, but you know. And my point being is that you can really go hard that evening. So it does it does it does create a really intense finish to the day it kind of just doesn't peter out because you're waiting for a declaration or anything else and I think that's why that structure works really well keeps the game moving forward everyone kind of knows where you are with it and you can prepare for exactly what you're going to do and I I always had a little battle in my own head as a player of what I wanted to do first 
Mm. Because whether you want to bat all the first day and have a nice sit down maybe for a bit or do you want to get in there when you're fresh, get those overs bowled and then actually, you know, coming back on the second day, you're going to have a bit of a sit down in the morning and you can get stuck in with a bat. But uh, I always found that if you if you bowl first, it was it was physically a little bit and mentally a bit more challenging just because you knew you were going to be bowling every day. Um, yeah. Just from a, if you're taking the sort of context of the game out. But yeah, it, it, there's one of those, both both sides of that. Um, and a lot of our players play on Saturday as well. So actually it is really physically quite challenging. Yeah, of course, four days cricket really, isn't it? Uh, you're a fast bowler. You've done a really job for your, for your club on the Saturday. You bowl maybe quite a lot of overs. You, you drive, in, drive 200 miles. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And you, you've, got to, you've got to then make sure you're kind of looking after yourself and you're getting some fuel in your body um, and you, you, you're ready to go again on that Sunday morning if you do bowl or as a batter, you need to be switched on for that first ball. So it is. It, there's so many challenges with it. And that's why it's such a great format because it tests you both from a cricket perspective from a physical perspective and, and, and definitely from a mental perspective, which ultimately we know at the top end of the game, the mental game, the mental part of the game is 80% to 90% of it. So uh, I think we've seen that with England. I think that's a perfect example, isn't it? But they're, 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 they haven't changed. Like Brendan McCullen's not come in and changed their techniques. He said that openly on telly. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's all he's done is changed their mindsets and the environment they're with it, that they're around. So it's uh, it's very much, preparing yourself in the right manner in your head to, to go and just perform properly and perform well. So, yeah, it's, um, like I said, that's why I think it's such a great competition for guys to get involved in and a really good um, sort of breeding ground for that next step up uh, for the guys who are going to make it. Okay, so our first weekend is this weekend and what uh, what's happening and where? It is. Well, look, as I just said, Oxfordshire defending champions um, – Bit of a review of last year. Obviously, they beat Suffolk in a in a quite attritional uh, final. We we have a four day final, but that's more so to 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 not get affected by rain. Um, but that did it didn't get affected by rain at all, and still went into the fourth day. Um, so that just shows what a sort of quality game of cricket it was. So no doubt Suffolk will be looking to get to the final again and, and go one better. Oxford will be looking to defend it. Um, They'll be have everybody after them. We've got Herefordshire and Bedfordshire who've stepped up into the into the top division, and Wiltshire and Cam's going down. No doubt they'll want to get straight back up again. Um, but yeah, to give people a bit of an overview of how we structure it, we've always played East and West, or certainly for a long period of time, there's always been the two regions. They've been split into two divisions, which enables us to play those four games. It means that everybody in each of those divisions, East one, East two, West one, and West two, all play against each other. Um, and, it, and it does leave us with some really exciting finishes, whether it be who's going to qualify or who's going to get promoted or relegated. So that's kind of the structure um, of the way we are. And the, the leagues are slightly different. Uh, we don't want people playing against each other in all three formats, which doesn't happen, which is great. But in East, uh, in the East Region Division 1, we've got Lincolnshire, Norfolk, Suffolk, Bedfordshire and Staffordshire. In East Division 2, we've got Cambridgeshire, Buckinghamshire, Northumberland, Hertfordshire and Cumbria. So that makes up the one side of the country. The other side of the country, uh, in West Division 1, we've got Cheshire, Dorset, uh, newly promoted Herefordshire, Berkshire and defending champions Oxfordshire. And then in West Division 2, we have Devon, Wiltshire, Wales, Cornwall and Shropshire. So that's how it's all sort of structured. Um, and yeah, the, the the two teams that finish top of the top divisions 
um, we'll play against each other in a final again. And this year, that's at West Bromwich Dartmouth. Um, so yeah, uh, yes. So that's how that's how it's all structured, and and it starts on Sunday. Um, and the fixtures are as follows. So in East Division One, um, Bedfordshire take on Staffordshire at Dunstable, um, and Suffolk play Lincolnshire at Bury St Edmunds, and that is actually the two places I'm going to be going this weekend. Uh, so on sort of Monday morning, I'll travel up to Bury St Edmunds. And then on my way back, I'll go to Dunstable. So, yeah, get to see two days of cricket across four teams. And that'll be that'll be really great. So, yeah, they're, they're the, the fixtures in East Division 1. East Division 2, uh, March, uh, Cambridge will play against Hertfordshire. And at Tynemouth, Northumberland take on Cumbria, so the Northern Derby. Western Division 1, um, <coughs> you guys have got a bit of a raw start there against the... Uh, Reigning champions at Alderley Edge, which is a beautiful ground, one of my most, one of my favourite. Um, yeah, Cheshire play Oxfordshire at Alderley Edge. Herefordshire play Dorset at Eastnor, and then in West Division Two, Wales take on Devon at Abergavenny, and Wiltshire host Shropshire at Cosham. Corsham, Cosham, Corsham, Corsham. Never get away from you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they're the fixtures. That's the structure, uh, I suppose, over to the players now to crack on and uh, see what they can do. And it's, uh, I've got the rules here. Not that I sit and study rules at all, I'll show you that, but uh, I'll have a card here. And it's, uh, it's time to remember that you've got over rates thrown in there and things like that to, to, to work out. 70 no's an hour, else you get fined or uh, you, lose, you lose points. You've got bonus points in there as well, of course. Yeah. All sorts. Overrates, bonus points. Yeah, can't wait. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah there's lots of work for, for you and your counterparts to, to tackle as we go through the three-day stuff. But, um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, I'll come, come sort of Tuesday evening to see who the front runners are. But I suppose one point to finish on is <clears throat> we did it with a, similarly with the T20. We wanted to try and see who would perform well in each of the counties to kind of give people a a name or some names to look out for as we go through. And I know that the way that the three-day fixtures are, people uh, don't necessarily move from one day straight into the three-day team. Um, and there's a little bit more changing around with various different various different reasons. But yeah, there's quite a lot of guys that have performed extremely well. And there'll be similar names that we've spoken about over the last few weeks because Going through the MVP stuff, I picked out the MVP for each of the counties. Uh, and like I said, there'll be a lot of a lot of familiar names on here, but ones to probably keep an eye on when people are scowling the uh, the, the, the three-day games for scores. Um, and that's with you guys. Quite clearly, Rob Semi's had a, had a great season so far. Staff's Alex Meller has done really well in that one in the one-day comp. Uh, Sam Bow at Shropshire. Gary Pratt with his back-to-back hundreds for Cumbria. Um, John Oswell at Northumberland, Jake Goodwin at Wiltshire, uh, Max Trifonos at Cornwall, Rob Pack, we love Rob Pack, love his celebrations. <laughs> he's he's uh, the leading player for Dorset. James Rudge at Herefordshire, Dan Goody, who we've spoken about a lot, uh, and has obviously just had a good Sunday with Devon. Ben Claydon, again, we've just heard from Ben and we know that he's had a great year. Wayne White had a great T20, was their leading run, leading player in that, I believe, and in the, t- in the one days. So, 
be interesting to see how he takes that form into the three-day stuff. Uh, Jigger Meta had two really good uh, weeks back-to-back. I think five and a six for we talked about. Tom Keast, again, top of the MVP at the moment, so he can take that form in. Sam Arthurton, um, Norfolk's sort of main man. Ewan Woods, uh, Berkshire, Johnny Cater at Oxfordshire. Um, Beds, two guys have led the way for them, George Darlow and Alex Evans. Edward Bragg at Buckinghamshire had a really good middle of that one-day comp, uh, and that left him out on top for Buckinghamshire. And then Stephen Rheingold and Richie Edwards at Wales, um, top of the order and top of the bowling for those two guys. They they both had the, the same points as well. So, like I said, lots of lots of familiar names there. Um, but we'll see how they uh, translate those sort of one-day white ball skills into into the three-day stuff. Interestingly, before we do move on, there's, I'm just counting down the list here, and out of those 20 players, there is six wicket keepers, which is which is really interesting. Um, and uh, it, I know it wasn't wasn't like that last year. I know we had, uh, I think Matt Thompson was there and thereabouts a lot of the season, um, but there wasn't a huge amount of other wicket keepers. Dan Lincoln, I think, was up up and around as well. But yeah, it's great to see that the keepers are in there and. It's not through the volume of catches. Obviously, that helps. And at the end of the day, they don't have the opportunity to get wickets. So that's why we have points for catches. But it's all those guys have, have done really, really well with a bat. Um, so it just shows how that sort of wicket keeper position. I know it's been a little while now, hasn't it? It's it's, it's not a wicket keeper anymore. It's a, no, it's a no. who, who catches it. So they're they're all. I think most of those guys batting the top top two or three. Um, I think Johnny Cate is probably the one who bats lowest in each four or five, and he he's got two hundreds in the one day comp. So, yeah, <laughs> loads of it, really good to see the keepers in there, and, and obviously performing really well with the bat. Terrific. Yeah. So lots of uh, lots of info, lots of stats. It's it's really interesting to go through. Actually, I must admit, uh, and and just see whether there's. Um, and just get to know get to know the players. You get to travel around, but obviously most of the lads are playing, so you don't really get to speak to them too much. Um, it is really important. I think it's a really important part of my my job to speak to the lads, get their feedback on what they like and they don't like about the, the structure. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's really beneficial sometimes to explain why we don't do certain things because they don't necessarily understand. And when you explain, they go, oh, yeah, I completely, completely get that. But it's uh, having that line of communication with the players is really key as well as everybody else and we've talked loads about all the, the volunteers that do huge amounts for, for the national counties and we, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't be able to run without those so yeah it's um, and a little recommendation for you when you're travelling around the grounds take your phone with you obviously you will but uh, I've seen people that everybody wants a bit of you so just kind of they look as if you're on the phone that's what you need to do and then they kind of <laughs> you can, you can yeah. move on presumably some of the um, some of the older players have played against you of course as well and all with you yeah, I think. But what makes me feel old is actually that they're they're reduce, reducing drastically now. What I'm finding is they're all they're all in coaching roles or stuff like that. So yeah, we're, we're it, it is a few years ago now, but I think there's there's one or two stragglers. Obviously, the likes of Gary Pratt I played against a little bit and Wayne White. But yeah, they're they're definitely the more mature of the players. Sure, mm. uh, and like I said last week, it's good to see Rick Moore back, but. The fact that he's one of the senior players in the team now makes me feel extremely old because he was a whippersnapper oh. in my day. So, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's like I say, it's always good to go around and, and, and chat with the players and chat with everyone else as well because you, you can I can learn a lot from what's going on and, and things that we need to potentially improve on and things that people think we're doing well, which is always nice to hear. So, uh, yeah, it's really, really good.
the National Counties Cricket Association want to hear from you. We're running podcasts throughout the season aiming to bring you all the news from across the counties, previewing and reviewing games and talking to key contributors from on and off the field. And of course, we want to hear from you. Tell us what's happening, give us your views on anything NCCA and be our eyes and ears across the country. Anything you want to hear? Anybody we should be speaking to? Keep up to date with what's happening at nationalcountiesca.co.uk and email us at info at nationalcountiesca.co.uk. Well, look, enjoy your trip. I shall indeed. I shall indeed. And you are at Audley Edge, is that right? Is that right? I'm at Audley Edge in Scotland for three days with uh, with the Oxfordshire and the Cheshire boys. So look forward to that. Was a great place to go to. Yeah, absolutely. As long as the rain stays away, it is close to Manchester. And Ask Dorset about that. <laughs> <laughs> Two years running, three days rained off, not a ball bowl. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Well, fingers All crossed. Right. Fingers crossed. But yeah, have a good weekend. Uh, good luck to everybody in the three day stuff. And we will be back next week to review all that with lots of runs and lots of wickets, no doubt. Indeed. All right. So have a good week. You too. Cheers, mate. From Northumberland to Norfolk, Cumbria to Cornwall, we've got National Counties Cricket covered.